Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. If you were here last week, we began talking about the wonderful gifts of the Spirit. And remember what Paul does, guys. Paul introduces this topic with this one-verse statement, okay? And he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to introduce the Holy Spirit. I'm going to introduce the gifts, but he, but he starts out very interesting. You go, what's that? Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, that's so, that's so cool because as Paul now introduces a new topic, his statement to us, I love, he says, now, now listen, listen. He says, when it comes to spiritual gifts, and I love that he calls us brethren, because the word brethren there is family. He wants to say we're family, okay? He wants you, he's, he's not coming down on us because the word ignorant has a negative connotation. Well, you're so ignorant. It, you know, a lot of people think, well, you're dumb, or you don't know something, or you should know something, and, but that's not what Paul says. Paul says again, he says, now listen, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, let me give you some quick background so you can get caught up. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to correct some messy, messy, messy behavior in the church. If you recall the church at Corinth, listen, it was really carnal. It means it walked in the flesh a lot. Okay, that's the church. That's why it's messy. They were doing stuff that you and I wouldn't even think of today. Think about communion. Before communion, people were getting drunk. Before coming into church, could you imagine? They were walking in the flesh. They said, I don't have a problem with this. They were eating all the good food before the poor people came. Paul says, we got to talk about that. You had one guy in the church trying to sleep with either his mother-in-law or his stepmom or whatever it might be. And and the elders were like, well, praise God. And, And Paul's like, no, you were a mess. And so again, they were walking in, they, they were walking in carnality. But here's what's crazy. The church at Corinth, guys, they exercised the spiritual gifts more than any other church. They saw him and they're like, man, okay, okay, you guys ready? We're going to have church. And, and this dude's drunk over here and this guy's, but we're going to have church and we're going to make sure that we, we're going to cr- end with the spiritual gifts. Okay, somebody's going to speak in tongues. Somebody's going to, you know, interpret that. Somebody's going to, and, and so they were over-exercising. And, and, and the problem was, guys, the problem was is they were using the gifts in an improper way. And, and like today, the church at Corinth, they weren't using the gifts properly and some might say they were even abusing the gifts. You guys tracking with me? Because if we got together and said, okay, and, and I really, in my own strength, in my own flesh, try to muster up the gift. Come on, Joe, speak. Speak, Joe. That, that's using and that's abusing the gifts. And then Joe goes, well, I just said something because Ben wouldn't let up. And, and I've just had to say something. And, 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 and she, he gets in the car and he goes, that wasn't the spirit at all. And then they go home. That's what was happening. You guys with me? This is kind of what's happening. And Paul's going to address that. They had a overemphasis of gifts in their, wor- in their weekly worship meetings. And Paul says, hey, guys, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, look at your Bibles, guys. You can circle that word because I don't want it. He doesn't mean dumb or obtuse, okay? He's not looking at you going, oh. Here's what it means. The church at Corinth boasted of having great knowledge. We know, we know. Do you guys remember that? We know a bunch of stuff. And Paul's going, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant. And here's what it means. It says, you boasted on knowledge, but you don't have the right information. You don't have the right information. You're unaware. That's what it means. He's like, man, listen, you have some great knowledge, but I've got to correct some stuff. 
I've got to correct some stuff. I think about that, guys, in our lives. Let us be a, a, a people that accepts correction in our lives. If we do the wrong thing or if, we, if we're not learning, let's be the ones who be able to go, oh, wow. We, we should be people that, because we make mistakes. I'm going to show you that in just a minute, okay? I'm going to show you that. Keep that in mind. But, but Paul says, listen, I'm going to do this. Well, we make mistakes. Would you agree? Now, let me remind you guys of the four approaches that people have when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Here was my mistake, okay? Last week, I gave you the word sensationist, okay? But it's actually cessationist, okay? And a cessationist is S, it's C-E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N, sensation. That's what it means. And it's a group of people who point it out. They go, oh, look at chapter 13, that the gifts, they actually ceased when the Bible was finished. When the canon of Scripture was completed, they said, okay, we no longer need to forward the church with the gifts, therefore, we don't need them anymore, okay? I typed in sensation, but it, 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 you know how autocorrect is, right? It gave me the, the definition for sen, S-E-N, sense, and I was like, oh, that's the wrong, I gave him the wrong definition. So let me give you the right definition, Okay, my apologies from last week. Here's the right definition. Sensation means the fact or process of ending or being brought to an end. It makes sense, doesn't it? Being brought to an end. And again, you have a group of people. Now, I want to make this very clear. It doesn't mean they're bad people. And, and we have brothers in the Lord that maybe believe that gifts aren't for today. It doesn't go, well, I can't hang out with you, bro. You just don't believe that. Or, man, you're really weird. You go to that church. That's not what it means. It means they're good people, but this is their approach to the gifts of the Spirit. We don't need them. Okay? Why don't we need them? Well, remember, remember, that which is perfect has come. But, but remember, what Paul is referencing in chapter 13 is the second coming of the Lord. When the Lord comes back, I believe we need the gifts for today. I believe we do. Well, the second group of people is just like the Corinth people, guys. It's the Corinthian approach. In every service, their goal, okay, their goal was the gifts. So if I got up here and said, I'm going to give you 15 minutes of the word, I'm going to read a few things, but our goal is to just get, get emotional and get going on the gift. That was their goal. And, and they were, again, think about that. So a lot of people's goal today is when they come to church is that, man, we've got to emphasize Help me, guys, the gifts of the Spirit, okay? We don't feel like we've had church until, man, we've exercised the gifts. And we've, I've been in churches where it's like an hour, two, three hours waiting and for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You go, okay, so that's a second approach. Come on, it's not church unless you guys are walking out of here crying. Then you have a third approach. There's another group of people that go, oh, wait, 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 Ben, Ben, Ben. Here's the third approach. You go, what's that? I don't understand the gifts. I've read them. They kind of freak me out. And so I'm not going to deal with it. Not going to deal with it. Okay? Uh, I've I've seen stuff on TV. Of course, our generation now says, I've seen stuff on YouTube. And it freaks me out. I don't want anything to do with the gifts, whatever that is. I mean, it's just really weird. And have you not seen on YouTube or on TV or whatever it might be, have you not seen an abuse of the gifts? You've seen an abuse and, you're, and, and you think, this is crazy. I don't think my God who, who does things decently and in order would allow such pandemonium. I just don't see it. But you have a group of people that go, no, that's God. He moved and it was so crazy. 
Okay. So it scares people. But the fourth group, guys, is a group that says, man, I'm open to what God has. I'm open to his word. I'm open and I want all that God has for me decently and in order because that's what the scripture says. Paul says that the gifts uh, are, are, should be done decently and in order and in order. And so that's where I hope we fall in. I hope we come today going, hey, man, I really, really want the gifts. Because our, our prayer, guys, our pastoral prayer is this, that we as a church, as a people, would believe in the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we would earnestly desire them. That's where we should be. Man, I believe in them, and I want them. I want them. You go, Ben, Ben, but what about, what about the people that believe that they, uh, they, they ceased? Well, the Bible's going to say that God's going to give to each one as he wills, and if they're ceased, then, then we won't have the gifts anyway, right? But I want them because I need them. And if I'm going to live victoriously, if I'm going to live victoriously, if I'm going to walk in the Lord, I, I want the gifts. So those are the four approaches. You guys with me? Now, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Chapter 12 deals with unity in and diversity of the gifts. Okay? He's going to say that we're all one, but we have, but, but basically we're different. Isn't that cool? Okay, chapter 13 deals with the power of love. Okay, let me back up for just a moment. When I was growing up, I went to a church, and the church told me that the, the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit was speaking in a different tongue. But Paul comes back and he says, no, really, you know what the evidence of being baptized in God's Holy Spirit? The evidence is love. It's love. Met a precious sister last night that said, basically, before she got saved, she, she thought she was ugly and mean and rude and thought, and then she got saved, and all of a sudden, she loved these very people that she was, you know, that she didn't like. When she said, when she got saved, she said, they were precious. That's evidence. That's love. You go, and you might even be experiencing that now in your life. Like, like before you go, man, if you would talk to me a year ago and I didn't like you, man, we'd go to blows. But now you're like, come here, brother, I love you. And you're hugging people and they're freaking out. They're like, what happened to you? I got saved. What does that mean? I have no idea, but I love you. I love you. This is so cool. Dude, you're crying. Yeah, I've never seen you cry. Even when you broke your leg and it was just dangling there, you know, you didn't cry. But now look, you just hugged me. You does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the love of Jesus that's just changed you. And that's, what, and that's what it is. And then, of course, chapter 14, he's going to deal with... Now, you've got to write this down, guys. He's going to deal with specific gifts of prophecy and tongues. So we're going to talk about tongues today, just a little bit. But chapter 14, he's going to go more in depth. Okay? And so that's kind of where we are. 12, going to deal with unity and diversity. 13 deals with the power of love. Every time I see the power of love, I think of Huey Lewis in the news. I'm sorry. It's just that song keeps coming to mind. But he's going to deal with the power of the love. There, I got it out. Maybe it'll go away. And then in 14 deals with specific gifts and prophecy. Now, here's what I want you to remember. As we go through our study this morning, only nine of the 20 gifts are mentioned. Only nine. There's other gifts, Okay. Uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about more gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, another gifts. Like, there's the gift of administration. Did you know there's the gift of giving? Okay? It's just something God puts in your heart, and you're like, man, I don't have any money, but I'm just giving it away. I know some of you who have that gift. The gift of giving, too. The gift of mercy. You always want to help. 
No matter what, what can I do? What can I do? There's all kinds of gifts, guys. But today we're going to talk about nine. Nine of them, and that's where we're going to go. We're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper in nine of them. But I've got to give you a disclosure. You go, what's that, Pastor? Part of our background in talking about the gifts is that we must approach the gifts, stay with me, with these two principles in mind. We have to approach the gifts this way. You go, what's that? Number one, first principle, okay? That as a believer in Christ, you need to understand that God has given you a gift. God has given you a gift. Now, some of the gifts he gives us, they're manifested. You might have two gifts. You might have three gifts. It it just really depends. Now, there will be a primary gift God gives you. Amen? But he'll use other gifts as he wills for a specific moment, like the gift of healing or the gift of wisdom or the gift of knowledge. But the primary gifts that God gives you, like for me, God bestowed upon me the gift of teaching. Okay? The gift of teaching is to be able to teach God's word in a simplistic and very comprehensible comprehensible manner. You go... Oh, okay. And, and you're really tracking with me. And part of having the gift of teaching is that 45 minutes will go so fast that you're like, man, is it done already? Is it done? My goodness gracious. He's also given me the gift of evangelism. And the gift of evangelism is different than the work of evangelist. He said we should all be doing the work of an evangelist. We should always be telling people about Jesus. But the gift of evangelism is what Billy Graham has. Billy Graham had that wonderful gift of evangelism. And no matter what he said as he preached the gospel, boom, people came forward. What a great revival. But it's not, we don't lift up Billy Graham, amen? Amen. We lift up the God that Billy Graham served, the Holy Spirit, and those gifts. You have different gifts. You guys with me? You go, "Well, well, show me in the Bible. The day you invited Jesus into your heart, he bestowed upon you a spiritual gift. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7 says this, But each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now, check this out. This story will blow your mind. Why? Guys, when Jesus died on the cross, his body was buried in the tomb, but his spirit descended into Hades. We call it Abraham's bosom. When it says it led captivity captive, guess what he means? He went to the people like Abraham and Isaac, all who believed in him, yet not seeing him. He went to those who believed and said, hey, guys, I'm here. I am the one. You ready to go to heaven? And he took those that were in captive up back to heaven. He left captivity captive. There was another group in Abraham's bosom called Hades. These are people who didn't believe in them. And we know about this based on Jesus's story in Luke, where he said there was a rich man who fared very well on on earth. But when he died, he went to Hades. Father Abraham, Father, please, I'm tormented in these ways. Send Lazarus to just dip. Do you guys remember that? And so these ones are not, they're still there. They're still there. Jesus has been gone over 2,000 years, and the rich man from the story is still in Hades. What's he doing? He's awaiting judgment. He didn't believe. Now, let me just say this. He probably believes in him now, but it's too late. 
You see, God gives every one of us an opportunity to believe in him on earth. Once we die, there's no more chances. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I'm so proud of you guys. When you gave your life to the Lord, man, it, was, it erupted the heavens, man, because think about it. It was a life changed. And, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but when you gave your life to the Lord, you became world changers. Pastor, I didn't change the world. You did because as you changed your family and your wife and your kids and people that you all around you, you changed the world, man. And so what happens, guys, is he led captivity captive. He took him to heaven, okay? But it says, but then he gave gifts to men. That's you and I. He says, man, I'm going to give Joe a gift and I'm going to give Beverly a gift. Man, I'm going to give Rosa a gift and I'm going to get, you know, he just, he gives us gifts. That's what he does, each gift. And you go, well, Ben, I don't really know what my gift is. Well, stay tuned. Maybe it's one of these. You go, that's my gift. I didn't really have that. Did you know that there is a gift of encouragement? It's like no matter what, you're just an encouraging person. I don't have that gift. I, I work hard at it. You understand. But it's not just gifted. I'm, not, I'm just not like, hey, praise the Lord. Hey, Mel, you look good in that shirt. Amen. Yeah, that's just, that's not me. Okay, so don't, don't you go, I know, Pastor. Okay, I, I get that. Other people have that gift. I have to work really hard. Tell Mel he looks good. Tell him, no, tell him, no, I don't want to. No, you know what I mean? You have to work hard. But anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. Sorry, guys. Let's go back into our text. So he gave us a gift. He gave each one of us a gift. But the second approach we need to understand is the purpose of the gifts. Okay? The purpose of the gifts is for the profit of the body. The purpose. Because you might be here and you go, Pastor Ben, I've always wanted to speak in tongues. Well, remember, tongues is going to be manifested. It's, it's, an, it's a personal edification. It's not for the body. So we understand that. We understand that. God still gives us that gift, but he says, I want you to do it specifically. So the spirit of God who gives gift is for the profit of all. Verse 7 says the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one. For what reason, church? The profit of all. So what's the purpose of these gifts? To build up the body of Christ. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're taking note, write up, right there, build up, build up, build up. Why? Because that's really what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to build up the body through the gifts. We're not supposed to tear down the body through the gifts. We're not supposed to use the word of God as a weapon. Sorry, that's my own personal pet peeve. I'm just like, don't. A lot of people take God's word and they'll use it as a weapon. And that's not God's word. It's so holy and pure and amazing. But we're supposed to build up the body of Christ. In verse 11, Paul also writes, But the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. What does that tell us? There are times that some of the gifts that we'll talk about are not always in operation in your life. God says, oh, today I'm going to use Becky to speak a word of knowledge in this situation. But she may not always have that gift. As he wills, he will bestow that gift upon you. You could pray for the gift. You could be in an afterglow service and you could go, God, give me the gift of interpretation. And someone speaks in tongues and you go, I know what they're saying. I know what they're saying. And, you're, and, and then you get scared because you're like, should I say it? What if it's wrong? I don't know. God, ah! and, 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 but sometimes it's like, man, man. I was in an afterglow service at a men's conference years ago, and I remember, and, and it was dark, and, 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 and we were worshiping the Lord, and I was praying, God, please give me the gift of interpretation. Please give me the gift of interpretation. And somebody got up and began speaking in another tongue, and I knew what they were saying, and it was praises to the Lord. 
I knew what they were saying. I was like, oh, it was so cool. It was so cool that God just revealed that. That was a supernatural gift. You guys, you guys tracking with me? Now, does that always happen? Not always. There are times I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. But I know that he'll give us as he wills. Okay? So where do we leave off? Well, we left off in verse 3 last week. It says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by his Holy Spirit. That's where we left off, okay? That's where we left off. He says the, it's, it's a, the true manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You'll know because nobody can say Jesus is accursed. And I don't know if the church of Corinthians were saying some crazy stuff. But he says, but, but truly. And don't you just love that? Why? Here, here's a great evidence. You ready? Do you really want to know if the Holy Spirit is living inside you? Yeah, like, I do. Can you say, man, Jesus is Lord. He is God. If you can say that without a hesitation, man, it's, it's right, because the only way you can say that is through the Holy Spirit. And I was going, man, that's awesome. When you say praise the Lord and it's not like twisting your arm, hey, man, good job, praise the Lord, good praise the Lord. Or you just, man, praise the Lord, that's awesome, thank you, Jesus. You know that it's God's Holy Spirit in you, okay? So that's where we left off. Remember, Paul is setting us up, though, because he, he wants to remind us that true spiritual gifts, where do they come from, church? From God's Holy Spirit, okay? True spiritual gifts. That's where we pick it up. Look, this is so cool. Look at verse 4. He says, now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all, okay? Your attention, please. If you're taking note, diversities in the Greek just means there's various kinds, various kinds. So Paul says, now listen, there are various kinds of gifts. There are various kinds of gifts, okay? He says, and there are different ministries, okay? Some people have the gift of being a missionary. They love going overseas. They love going to different countries. It's a gift. Some people would call it having a gift of apostleship, but we take the root of apostle and it being sent one. And so there are people that we send as missionaries. There are people who love that. There are people who go, man, I don't want to get on a plane and go across the ocean. That's not my gift. That's not my gift. So he's saying there are different ministries, right? And he says, now, there are diversities or what? There are various kinds of activities. There's a lot of stuff happening in the church. But here's what I want you to see. He says, now, listen, but it's the same Holy Spirit of God who's working in all things. The same Holy Spirit. The Trinity is what? Three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. You go, Ben, that blows my mind. The Trinity is always, blown. I know, isn't it? I, I, I don't know how you have three distinct personalities, but one God, but I know that's what Jesus says. That's what he's taught. Okay, so you have three in one. And so now he comes and he goes, now, hey, listen, there are diversities of gifts. Everybody's going to have a gift. Amen. There's diversities. There's differences in ministries. Brother Mel has a gift of music. He has the gift of playing uh, the guitar. He can play the violin. You guys heard he can play the bass. I mean, he's, he's multi-talented. I don't have that gift. I tell my fingers to do something and they rebel. You guys know what I'm talking about? 
Okay, do a C. Mm-mm. So then I have to cheat on my guitar, right? I start playing cheater chords, which means I'm not very gifted. But the point is, is that God has given Mel a gift, but maybe he hasn't given Mel a gift of teaching. And so both of us together combined with all y'all, we make up a great body, don't we? A great body. So we can't sit here, and you'll learn this next week, we can't sit there and go, man, why does Pastor Ben get to teach? I'm a better teacher than him. You probably are. But the point is, is that we work together in one body. And not everybody can be a mouth, and not everybody can be right an ear, and not everybody can be an arm, and some of us in the body of Christ have to be nose hair. Doesn't nose hair have a purpose? You can't go in there and cut it all. I mean, I'm just saying. It would look weird. But you know what I'm saying. It, it, that's just weird. That's just weird. Your sister went over there. She's like, mm, that, you went too far on that. I'm sorry, sister. Now, this is super cool. Guys, check it out. Go back, to, go back to this, okay? Go back to that verse. Underline it, highlight it. Why? Notice what Paul is saying. He says there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. Everybody say spirit. spirit. There's diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. Everybody say Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God. Did you guys see that? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure. What did I, what did I see? Tell me what I saw. The, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, appears right here. Because Paul uses the term spirit in the first verse, or in, the, in verse 5, and then he says Jesus in verse, I'm sorry, in verse 4, Jesus Christ in verse 5, and then he, he calls on the Father in verse 6. You go, what? Yeah, spirit, Lord, and, and, and God. Spirit, Lord, and God. This is what he's saying. Now, listen, let's match them up. The spirit, it works in terms with the gifts. Jesus gives us ministries, and the activities or operations is done by the Father. I thought that was so cool. That was so cool. The Holy Trinity has popped up. We know that God is working all things, all in all. I like what Warren Wearsby says about this verse. Listen to this. I think it's so cool. Quote, the church, like the human body, has diversity in unity. Our human members all differ yet they work together for the health of the body, okay? Isn't that true? He goes on to say, the spiritual body of the church, we possess gifts from the Holy Spirit. We partake in service to the same Lord Jesus Christ and share in the workings or operations of the same Father, okay? Unquote. That's what Warren Wearsby says, but I started thinking about this, and, and we'll talk about that more next week, so you can't miss next week. Amen? You can't miss it because he's going to say, you go like what? Think about this. What, what, what Warren Wiersbe just said, he says, listen, your body works in diversity but unity. Okay? My fingers don't rebel and say, I don't want to be a finger. I want to be an arm. No. You know what they do? These are my fingers. This is what they do, but they work in unity with my body. Okay? My feet says, I don't want to be a feet anymore. I'm tired of being in these stinky shoes. I don't want to be covered up by socks. Can't I be a finger? Well, if, then I, if I had 10 fingers and 10 more toes that look like fingers, then I couldn't walk, could I? It would look silly. You guys get my point. Everything works in unity. Well, that's how the body of Christ works. That's how the body of Christ. He says, now, now, now listen, I love this, guys. He says, because we possess gifts of the Holy Spirit. And everybody goes, amen. But we partake in service to the Lord. Amen. Now, why is that important? 
Because let's say Brother Joe gets here early and he gets out his little blower and he's blowing the leaves and he wants to make the front entrance look good. Joe, why do you do that? Well, Pastor, I love you. No, you know what? Because he loves Jesus. You guys see that? When we love Jesus, then we're able to love everybody else. But that is so key. So why do you do what you do? Why do you play music? Why do you serve? Why, why do you give money? I know you guys love me, but you don't love me that much. But here's my hope. My hope is that you love Jesus. Why do you do what you do for those? I love Jesus, man. And when I look at all that Jesus has forgiven me, all that Jesus has, how could I not? How could I not? All the forgiveness, all the mess-ups that I've done, oh, my. And my service to the Lord. And then activities, when the pastor says, hey, man, we're having, this, we're having this event, and we're doing this, or we're having this outreach, that's where you guys go, I'm in. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm in. Why? Because it's your service to the Father. God, I love you. And that's part of the gifts that God gives us. Now, we know what verse 7 was. Let's look at the gifts, guys, recorded here in this church. So jump over to verse 8. He says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Okay, he's going to tackle the gifts, okay? He's going to tackle the gifts. So the first thing he says is let's talk about the word of wisdom. If you're taking note, here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is knowledge applied. So he says, man, there's a supernatural gift. In the Greek, it's called logos sophia. Logos sophia. That's the word of wisdom. You go, okay, Ben, so really, like, what is it then? Like, like, what is it? The word of wisdom is given through the Spirit, guys, given to you at the right time to redirect your path. It's a word of wisdom. Wisdom. Knowledge applied. You go, well, how so? Well, let me give you an example from the Bible because I can't think of a better story than what the Bible gives us. Guys, do you remember the woman who was caught in adultery? Do you remember? The Pharisees and the religious people, and they were stalking Jesus and they wanted to trap him. So they had this little setup and they caught this woman in adultery. They grabbed her, didn't grab him. But the law said that if you were caught in adultery, you were brought to the elders. They were supposed to stone you, okay? Take up rocks and stone you. They were, that's what you were do. So they bring Jesus. Guess what? They bring him to church. They burst open the doors and they throw her in front of Jesus in the church. This woman was caught in adultery. What do you say, Jesus? Do you remember what he did? Jesus bent down and he starts writing in the sand. Well, they pick up stones and they're ready to, they're ready to stone her. What does Jesus say? A word of wisdom with this, right? His word of wisdom. He says, let any of you who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he goes back to writing. And it was like, thump. That was a great word of wisdom. It, was, it redirected the path. And, and you know what he tells the woman? He says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. It redirected her path. It was a great word of wisdom because they wanted to stone her. A great another example of the word of wisdom, guys. Think about Solomon. Do you guys remember that story? I mean, the Bible is PG, man. It's PG-13. Why? Because all of a sudden, there were two women in Solomon's, and they both had babies at the same time, and one of the ladies rolled over and smushed her baby, killed it. Well, in the middle of the night, she woke up. She goes, oh, what have I done? Well, she goes over to the other lady, and she switches babies out. 
And so she's like this, and she's, and, and, and so the mama woke up and goes, no, that's my baby. No, this is my baby. No, you killed your baby. No, I didn't. So they go to Solomon. Do you guys remember the story? They go to Solomon. And they say, hey, Solomon, listen, the wisest of all, what do we do? And Solomon thinks for a moment, and his word of wisdom was real simple. He says, let's cut the baby in half. You take half, and you take half. And the real mama freaked out. She's like, mm-mm, leave, she can have him. Mm-mm. The, the not-so-real mama said, great, let's cut him in half. Solomon says, you're not the mom. That was a great word of wisdom. Do you see that? It directed. I mean, it's supernatural word of wisdom. This was what he's talking about, guys. It's supernatural at a time that you need it. But he also says, now, you have the word of knowledge. Now, the word of knowledge, guys, is sometimes when you're praying for somebody and God gives you a word. And it, be, it may be just a, just a crazy, you just like, man, this is, this is weird. Why do I keep thinking of a boat? I just see a boat. A boat. Why is a boat in my mind? And I'm praying for this person and this boat. And the Lord's like, I want you, it, it, it's, a, it's a specific word of knowledge. But it's even more deep than that. Okay? A word of knowledge I'll never forget. At the same men's retreat that I attended, we all had this afterglow. And uh, people were talking. And, and a guy stood up and he goes, I've got a word from the Lord. And so everybody's like, he says, there's somebody here who's struggling with pornography. And the Lord says, if you keep going, you're going to destroy your family. And he mentioned a few other little things. And of course, they were like, okay. And all of a sudden, a guy got up and just was crying. And he says, that's me. I have really been so close. I'm about to lose my family. And it was just like, how could, you, how could you know that? He couldn't know it. He couldn't know it. A biblical example of the word of knowledge, guys, comes from Acts chapter 5. And the story goes, there was, a, there was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of land because it was so cool to do. Okay, And they, they wanted the pat on the back and they would bring the money and put it at the apostles' feet. But what they wanted is they wanted the applause of men. They wanted to go, oh, wow, cool, look at you. So Ananias and Sapphira sold some land, but they kept back part of the money. They said, well, we'll, we'll sell it for 100000 and we'll give the church 50000 and we'll keep fifty for us. But when we come in and everybody will, we'll just say, man, this is what it was worth, we 50000 Do you guys remember? And so here comes Ananias, right, comes up to Peter, and he's like, hey, guys, how you doing, how you doing? Hey. 50,000 I sold for my land, Peter. Remember, the word of knowledge came to Peter. What did Peter say? Peter says, he says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back a price of the land for yourself? And, And Ananias was like, what? How could you know that? Nobody knew that. God said, look, man, you sold it for, wasn't, it's your land. You didn't have to act this way. But you came in and you lied to the Holy Spirit. And what does the Bible said? He fell dead. He fell dead. And they took him out because he lied. And, and, but the, here's the purpose, right? The purpose of the gifts are to, to build up the body. And that was a very serious offense. Well, Sapphira comes in a few minutes later not knowing that her husband died, she comes in and Peter goes, hey, did you sell this for 50000 Well, yes. He goes, you know what? The same people, the same youth group, basically, 
that carried your husband, and now it's going to carry you. And fear fell on the church. Fear fell on the church. So when God uses a word of wisdom, remember, it's not always, go. oh, it might be, oh, okay, we, we, we want to build each other up. We want to build each other up. But that, guys, is a super, you don't, you, there's no way you can know this, a word of knowledge from the God, from God, from God. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, God uses it in an amazing way. Look at verse 9. He says, to another faith by the same spirit, to other gifts of healings by the same spirit. Now, he mentions two more gifts. What are they? The gift of faith. Now, please understand, this is not, this is not the, the grace of faith, okay, where it's common to believers. We have that. This is a supernatural gift of boldness. It's like faith. It's like, I mean, this is, I mean, it's, it's when, when God puts faith in someone's heart through the Holy Spirit, then there's a deep trust to be reasoned assurance in particular situations. And those people bug us, don't they? When they have that gift, everything's going to be okay. God's going to make it through. And you're like, don't tell me that I'm freaking out. But they have this supernatural gift that they really believe it. And, and it's like, oh, that's so cool. I want that gift. It's the gift of faith. It's a gift of faith when everything seems impossible. And let me tell you what, man, let me tell you how God used just, just, just a supernatural gift, okay? It's when, it's when God started to call me to Lubbock, Texas, okay? 16 years ago, God begins to call, and, and I had to exercise the gift of faith. Why? I didn't know anybody out here. I had been to Lubbock one time, and I had driven through. I didn't know anything. And I was like, God, Lubbock, are you sure? Go to Lubbock. So I had to. I had this gift, and we said, "Okay, man, you're gonna. We're gonna come out here. And you're gonna do something incredible." And I want you to start Calvary Chapel of Lubbock. Listen, I don't think it could have been done any other way. I really believe that God blinded me to the amount of churches that were here because I think if I would have come out here and seen every church on the corner, I might have said, "God, I think I heard you wrong. I'm going to go back home." But God says, no, here's your faith. It's the gift of faith. Now, another gift of faith, guys, and biblically, is this. You ready? A gift of faith. David, do you guys remember when David was a kid? The gift of faith is when he fought Goliath. Here's a ruddy kid. Five stones. Here's a, here's a giant. I mean, but his faith was in who? It's in God, right? The gift of faith is always going to be a faith in whom, in whom you put it in. Sometimes, sometimes we'll take faith and we'll elevate it above God. And that's not where faith comes from. Faith comes from the God. And that's what brings courage in our lives. We go, oh, okay, okay. And David killed Goliath. Some of us have that. In a particular situation, God will give you just unbelievable faith. That's going to work out. How do you know? I, I just, I trust the Lord. How do you know? He's just, I, I have faith. Faith is the evidence of what? Of things not seen. You, you, you can't see it. Well, how do you know? Who told you? I just know. God's, God's going to tell me. To, God's, God's going to work it out. And then he says this. He says, but there's also a gift of healings. Everybody look at that. It's plural. Healings. Okay, sometimes we go, well, I got the gift of healing, right? No, it's the gift of healings, and I want you to note that it's, it's, it's plural. Why? Because this usually thought of to refer to a miraculous physical healing. But the Greek here shows it's I-A-M-A, and it can be used to refer to both physical healings and spiritual restoration, okay? So 
here's what's happening. There's times when God will give you, as he wills, the gift of healing. Somebody says, hey, can you pray for healing? And you come in and you go, okay, Lord, I pray that this person gets healed. Now, physically, we'd love to see that happen. And then God does something amazing, and then you're like, wow, I told you the story about Pastor Chuck, right? Pastor Chuck went to pray for somebody in a wheelchair. He felt this, this, this shock and heat go through him, and the person got saved. I mean, got, got healed. And he's just like, wow. And then he thought, man, I have this gift. Let's go again. And God's like, no, it was, it was for this time at this moment, but it's not. And so he might give you that gift, guys. You might have that gift of healings. Um, I was called to, guys, I was called to pray at the hospital this week. And I went up to the hospital and I prayed. We were praying for our friend John, right? And I always pray for this. I always pray for this. I always pray Isaiah 53 first and foremost. Okay? And you go, what's that? That's praying that I can pray for physical healing. Well, the doctor says he ain't going to make it. Well, that's what they said. Okay? And I said, well, Lord, your word says that you carried this sickness, you, you're, this infection. I'm just going to pray, God, this. Believing the sovereignty of God anyway, right? The sovereignty of God, meaning he, he's going to work his will and whatever he wants to do. But I also, I prayed for, I prayed for healings. God, please. And I never pray if the Lord wills. You go, why not? Because according to Isaiah 53, Jesus said that we, I mean, he, he, he reiterates it in Matthew, but according to Isaiah 53, he carried our sicknesses, guys. So I'm going to pray that. Because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And, and, and I want to ask. Yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? If it doesn't happen, I, I mean, there's ultimate healing. Because I prayed for two people, and right now one of them is getting better, and the other went home to be with Jesus. They're both healed. They're both healed. But also the gift is, guys, the gift also is in spiritual restoration. Okay? Those that have been messed up spiritually can come and be restored through the gift of healing. And that might be your supernatural gift as you you study the word together and you grow in healings. And maybe you come from a background that's been taught, you, you were taught the gifts wrong, or you were taught, um, however you were taught, you were taught that they, were, they ceased, and you go, man, I need, to, I need to repent from that, or you thought they were, you over-abused them, and you said, I need to repent from that. But if you come, there's some supernatural healings that he talks about, okay? An example from the Bible, guys, we find is in Acts chapter 14, 8 through 10, and it writes, he writes this, Dr. Luke, while they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet, and he had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening, and Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized that he had the faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. That is a supernatural gift. How cool is that, Right? How cool is that? I would love to see that more in our walks, more in our city. But remember, it's for the edification of the body. It's so people can know who Jesus is. It's so God can be glorified, guys. I don't know if I would have the faith to walk over and say, this guy's crippled. Get up and pick him up. Right? Because what if, I, what if I don't have enough faith? What if it doesn't work? What if God's not in this and he falls down? And so, so I mean, you've got to have that same gift of faith. God, you, ta- you sure? You told me. Get up and walk, brother. 
Now, we don't see a lot of that here, but in third world, I mean, in India and other places, man, people are getting healed. Limbs are growing back, but it's, what's God doing? He's, he's glorifying himself, and he's, and he's revealing himself to a group of people. And so, I personally would like to see more gifts. The gift of what, guys? Well, the gift of faith. Man, I want to have that faith. I want to have that faith. Faith, faith for what? Man, faith for, for a bigger church. Faith for a new building. Faith for a playground. Faith for whatever God gives. I mean, that's, that's what we need to have. Lord, I need that gift. Gift for healings. I want to see people rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. And then he says in verse 10, To another, the working of miracles, another prophecy, to others, discerning of spirits, to others, different kinds of tongues, and to others, the interpretation of tongues. So chapter, or verse 10 gives us five gifts. We've talked about four already. Let's look at these really, really quickly, okay? But here's what I want you to keep in mind. In, in chapter 14, we'll go deeper in tongues and the interpretation. But let's start with the working of miracles. Guys, you know this. The Greek word here used, which may be literally rendered activities in power, it refers to the extraordinary activities um, of all kinds of miracles. Some of them could be exercising demons or even raising people from the dead. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's the gifting of miracles. Okay? Now, we don't hear a lot about this, like, oh, my goodness, but not in our country, but in other places around the world, God is using the gift of miracles to bring knowledge. There's all kinds of, and, and I really believe there's all kinds of miracles that are happening around us. But this is a specific gift that God uses. It's the gift of a miracle. It's a miracle. Okay? It's a supernatural gift that brings what? Glory to God. There are so many times, guys, that many people in our world are praying for miracles. I need a miracle. And it's the gift of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the, some of them have the gift of miracles. We've seen that throughout, right? We've seen it throughout. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The guy gets up leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. I think if we saw a legitimate miracle, I think we'd freak out, don't you? Like if you prayed for somebody to like grow a foot or, or something or, or see a tumor shrink, you'd be like this. I think it, because we don't see them that often, but yet I think God is still in the working, in the, in the miracle working business. I believe that. Guys, I think we need to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but trust in God's sovereignty. And if I come in and pray for you, I'm going to pray for healing. And if God goes, Ben, that's not what I've granted. I've granted them to take them home. Then I'm going to rejoice in that. But I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to see a miracle. But I think there's a lot of miracles. Guys, are, are you not a walking miracle? Are you not a walking miracle? I was having dinner one night. Me and Nathalie were having dinner with some neighbors in Missouri. And he was telling me how he had in a crash and he had actually walked away from a crash and it was a miracle. And I listened to the story and I agreed with him. Amen. And I said, but you want to know what a big miracle is? And he's like, yeah. And I said, me getting saved. And his face just dropped. And I was like, isn't that true? Isn't that a bigger miracle? Us getting saved, confessing I'm walking with Jesus, I think that's a miracle. That's a miracle. You go, what else, Ben? What else? What else? What else? Well, again, think about this. He says, now, there's the gift of prophecy. 
Okay, now here's where we get in trouble. Why? Because prophecy is the special ability to speak forth the message of God. Okay? The prophet is basically a spokesman for God. He or she delivers the word of God to people, right, by the means of direct revelation. So, as the pastor, I am operating at times in the gift of prophecy. How do you know this? Because, again, think about it. It's the ability to speak the message. Here's the message from God. And you're going, wow, how did you see that? I didn't see that. And God begins to move. But, but the pastor works in these. He also works. He also is using, at times, the gift of knowledge. You guys know that, right? The gift of knowledge. Because you go, how did he know that about me? How did he know that about me? Who could have told him? And he look at your wife like, did you tell him? Have you been talking to the pastor? And it's like, no, it's, it's, the, it's God's operating through that gift. One time, Nathalie and I were looking at a house, and I remember saying to the Lord, oh, if I could only have this house, then it would be great. It would be so cool. I had a circular driveway, had a big yard. Oh, if we could only have this house. We went to church the next morning, and the pastor was like, well, maybe you're here today, and you're thinking, oh, if I could only have this house, then it would. I was like, there's no way he could have known that. There's no way. But it's prophecy. It's prophecy, guys. The prophet delivers the word of God by means of direct revelation. Now, here's what you need to understand. There's the gift of prophecy. You guys with me? And then there's prophetic utterances. Prophetic utterances based in decently in order can deal with certain individuals. It can deal with the church or a larger context. It does not always refer to the future. So a prophetic utterance doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord, in two years you're going to be here, or thus saith the Lord, you know, or whatever it might be. A prophetic utterance might just be going, okay, here's, here's what the Lord is telling me. Here's what the Lord is telling me. And it might be for our church. It might be individually. I say we need to be so careful with, with, with prophecy. And the thus saith the Lord, you know, thus saith the Lord. And I'll tell you why. Based on the Bible, guys, based on the Bible, if you were considered a prophet and you prophesied and it didn't come 100% true, you were noted as a false prophet and they took you out and they stoned you to death. Now, we don't do that today, right? With all the uh, TV evangelists and, oh, I prophesy this and prophesy that and da 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 well, it didn't come true. We should take you out and stone you, but we don't. We just kind of go, oh, okay. You know, do you guys remember Harold Camping? Do you remember him? The, the world's going to end in October, and he would and he'd be all over the radio, and everybody freaked out and started selling everything. And basically, he's prophesying, but it was a false prophet. Why? Because it goes directly against God's word. Why? Because the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. What would happen if you knew when, when the Lord was going to come back? I don't know. It's like knowing the day when you're going to die. Some people go, man, I'd like to know that. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. What would I mean, I'd either be a basket case until that day came, or I, I, I just, it's just God's grace. Do you remember the Old Testament prophets, right? They didn't have the word, so what did they do? They foretold God's word. Thus saith the Lord. But now we tell forth God's word in the word. Now remember, 
a direct revelation. There's a couple of things really quickly, okay? There's a couple of things. A direct revelation, if, if, some, if the Lord is speaking to me about Brother Joe, don't you think the Lord's going to tell Brother Joe? So we got to be careful. Brother Joe, the Lord told me this about you, and, and you're going to head up this, and you're going to do this. And, you, and Joe's going, the Lord hasn't told me anything. We, we, should be in, we should be in unity in that. It should be more like, you know what, Pastor? That's so funny you say that because God's been really speaking to my heart on that. You just confirmed it. That's how it should be. Prophecy. Here's what the word says about prophecy, guys. In chapter 14, verse 1, Paul, um, writing to the Corinthians, says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but what? But especially that you may prophesy, that you may prophesy. Okay? He wants us to prophesy because he's going to tell us later on that prophecy actually builds up the body of Christ, where tongues edifies us. But again, we're running out of time, so let me go to the discerning of spirits. That's a supernatural gift. This gift allows us, guys, as an individual to recognize whether the utterances come from God or an evil spirit. You all have a, dis- most, a lot of women have a discerning of spirits. They have that discerning. They have a discernment in them. And um, they can tell, uh-oh, there's something wrong with that guy. There's something shady with that guy. He's, he claims to be a Christian, but something's not right. That God gives them the gift of, of discernment. And that's like, oh, oh. Pastor Skip Heitzig tells a story about the discerning of spirits when he was young is that, is that I remember his wife goes, watch out for that guy. He's, gonna, he's trying to do this, this, and this to you. And, and Skip's like, nah, he's my bro, no. And sure enough, sure enough, they let him in the house and to, to, as a house guest or whatever, and he stole half of his stuff and that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, I think it's a supernatural gift. Some of you might have that gift. You're like, I, well, be careful. It's not that he's a bad person. I just, there's something in my spirit that says, hmm, hmm. And that's where you go to the Lord and pray. Lord, help me. Is this, is this right? Is this right? The discerning of spirits. Then we have the gift of tongues. Guys, the Greek word here is glossia, and it's used in a literal and physical tongue and metaphorically for the language you're speaking. Hey, did you speak in tongues? There's two types of tongues, okay? There's, there's what we call the heavenly language, and it's a, it's, a, it's a tongue that God gives you, and you can pray in your heavenly language, and it's between you and God. Normally, Paul says, don't, don't speak that out loud. That's between you. And whenever you're praying with somebody, you might see them mumbling, and you don't know what they're saying. They're not, you're not speaking English. It's a heavenly language. It's a tongue. But in the corporate services, okay, the corporate services, speaking in tongues, um, has to be done decently and in order, and it has to be, basically, it's not going to be in the middle of church service because we believe that the Holy Spirit won't interrupt himself. So you go, well, Ben, I go to Calvary Chapel, but nobody speaks in tongues. Well, speaking in tongues, what does it do? It edifies you. It's not for the body. So right off the bat, you know, you go, well, Sunday morning, Sister Becky got up and she started speaking in tongues. We'd have to say, no, no, we don't do that here because the Holy Spirit won't interrupt himself. He's already spoken what he wants to speak as we study the word of God. But you go, but in an afterglow situation, if Sister Becky sets up and speaks in tongues, the Bible says there needs to be an interpreter so the body of Christ would be edified. Edified. When I first got introduced to speaking in tongues, it was in a small Pentecostal church, and I remember I was kind of freaked out. I was like, whoa. 
somebody got up and they spoke in tongues, and the interpretation of that tongues was very disturbing. And I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you today if it was true or not. I don't know. I didn't know much about it back then. But what it was is it wasn't an exhortation and it wasn't a praise to the Lord. The interpretation was how bad we were doing as a body and how we have walked so far away from God. And and I remember hearing this and I was just like, I walked away not edified, but actually grieved. Oh, my children, how you have strayed, how you have sinned. The thing about that is I know that based upon his word. So you go, Ben, was the interpretation true? I don't know. I'm just giving you an example. But according to the word of God, if you speak in a tongue, it's usually praises to the Lord. Okay? How it's operated. How it's operated. Sometimes, believe it or not, here's how I've heard it operated. It'll be in a church service, an afterglow service. Somebody gets up and just feels to speak in another language. And then and if there's no interpretation, then we go, okay, please, please be quiet. There's not an interpreter. But sometimes the language is such a beautiful language that it was specifically for somebody. In other words, in other words, there was an afterglow one time where a lady got up and she started to speak in beautiful Russian. Just a beautiful dialect of Russian, and nobody knew that she was just speaking, right? Well, there was a lady in the church who heard that, went to her and goes, do you speak Russian? And she's like, no, why? Well, you were speaking the most beautiful praises in, in my native language I've ever heard. Was the body edified? Yes, decently and in order. Here's how I'd look at it, right? Okay, now this is going to trip you out, okay? This is going to trip you out. I can't speak Spanish very well. What? I my, my, just never learned, okay? I can pick it up and I can understand it, but to just really... So if I were to go be a missionary in Mexico or Spain, I would hope that the gift of tongues would be there so that I can minister to people in their native language. And I, now, my, my, me doing it... Uh, um, you know, see, see, habla espan. Okay, um, I don't want to do that. I want God to just flow. But not only Spanish, right? French, Mandarin, whatever it might be. But locally, locally, guys, locally. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. How is it, brethren, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, or has an interpretation? He says, let all things be done for the edification. Now, I'm going to go deeper into speaking of tongues in chapter 14 as he really pulls that out. But for right now, these are the nine gifts. And so let's close our Bible study with the last verse, okay? He says, but... One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing each one individually as he wills. So what's he saying? He's going, guys, now now listen. We don't have to be afraid of the gifts. You should desire them. Our goal should be to believe in them. God, I want this. And let God use you as he wills. Let God use you. You might have a specific word of knowledge for somebody. You might have a beautiful word of wisdom, or maybe God wants you to go to the hospital and pray. Maybe you should have, I mean, however God wants to do, but we should not be afraid of it. We should be open and saying, God, what do you have for us? 
You should say, man, I want a prayer language, God. I want, I want to speak in tongues that I know is just between you and me, and I want to be edified in that. We should desire those things because they're in the word of God. I don't think Paul would have put him in there under the power of the Holy Spirit. I just don't think they would be in there. Or he would directly tell us once, once the Bible's done or however, it is, so we should desire them. Amen? Now, there's other gifts. There's other gifts. You have the gift of helps. Gift of helps. You know what that is? You go, I'll help. I'll serve. Why are you always serving at the church? Man, I just love Jesus. That's just my gift. Some of us have the gift of encouragement. Like you said, you're just encouraging people. Man, you just, I just love you. Hope you have a great day. I'm praying for you. There's all kinds of good gifts out there, guys. There's a gift of administration. You know what the gift of administration is? Some of you have this gift. It's when you see a stack of paper like this on your desk and you get stoked. You're like, yeah, I get to organize all of this and put it in there. Ah! And other people are going, go for it, man. I don't have that gift. Anybody have the gift of administration? You know, anybody? Or you look at paperwork and you go, oh, I need somebody to do this. I don't have the gift of administration. I don't. And half the times I'm running behind going, oh, I forgot to do that. <laughs> oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, yeah, this, this person needed that. Yeah, I forgot. Wonderful gifts, guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.